Welcome to Lightning Between the Bookends. My name is Paul Kalea. I'm a faculty member in Health, Human Performance, and Recreation, which is housed in the College of Education and Health Professions at the University of Arkansas. This series is designed to highlight the people, places, and processes that are all part of HHPR. With the advent of technology, communication in the world has been transformed. We now tweet, post, text, and like at the speed of sound. However, the art of writing is still the foundation for each of these forms of communication. In an academic setting, writing is the lifeblood that guides the output of research and creative endeavors. With that being said, it is a skill that still needs practice and nurturing. In the Department of Health, Human Performance, and Recreation, Dr. Aaron Howie Hickey and her colleagues have found a way to aid graduate students and faculty in further developing this art through a group called Shut Up and Write. I'm fortunate to have Dr. Howie in the booth with me today to talk about this process. Welcome. Thanks, Paul, for having me. Sure, sure. Well, um, uh, this is an exciting topic simply because I think it's so uh, integral in, in uh, the process of being in academe. Uh, but I, I think it's always best to start with finding out who you are and what you bring to the, the, the table. Um, so can you tell us something about yourself and, and maybe talk about your background? Sure. I am an assistant professor uh, in exercise science, which is in the Department of Health, Human Performance, and Recreation. This is my fourth year at the university. Uh, and actually, my writing story, I was thinking about it today. Uh, going through school, obviously, I went through my PhD. I've been in a lot of school. I've gotten one B in my entire life, and that was in junior English in high school, Mr. Gabordi. I still tease him about it. Um, but that was probably where my writing story kind of started, but it, it changed a lot since then. I got my undergrad at the University of Maryland in kinesiology, and from there I went to South Carolina where I got a PhD in exercise science. And we'll come back. That's really where my scientific writing started and, and changed a lot. But here in Arkansas, my research is on children's physical activity, so what physical activity are kids doing or more so not doing. Uh, how can we get them to do physical activity? And when they do it, what types of educational benefits do they get? So we know kids learn better, they behave better. Uh, and so that's kind of my research and my story, what I try and get out there. Well, it sounds like like any academic background, any any sort of step-by-step -step process that you work your way through, especially the, the doctoral process, um, writing is always integral in, in, in each of those steps. And I think it changes uh, from, from step to step. Um, but can you talk about sort of the idea of coming up with this group called Shut Up and Write? Um, what was what was sort of the the what was going through your mind when you thought, wow, this this would be something that could impact not only grad students but faculty as well? Yeah, and I think being new faculty over the past three four years at the university, everybody tells you you need to write, you need to write, you need to write. Uh, but when it comes down to it, where do you find the time to write? Uh, and so particularly this summer, we were talking with some other faculty, uh, mentoring some of our grad students and realizing that it's a big challenge for everybody. And we're all kind of isolated doing it on our own because usually you sit in your office or you go to a coffee shop and it's just you and the computer and it can be pretty intimidating. But we're all struggling with the same issues. Uh, so how could we kind of come together? I like to call it a culture of scholarship. Um, and share some of our troubles and solutions that we've had, uh, both faculty and grad students, because we're we're both experiencing those same things. Yeah, um, I I I love to always look back at my dissertation, 
and uh, and cringe a little bit, only because I'm a much different writer today. Um, I, I think that the the evolution of my writing has, has sort of um, uh, been a process that has uh, allowed it to become more fluid, uh, more energy dr- driven instead of sort of flat. Right? I mean, I think initially we write fairly flat, where it's just I'm just trying to convey an idea. Where instead of now I'm I'm trying to not only convey the idea but I'm trying to excite people about the idea. Um, what would you say as you as you thought about uh, this this project or group that you developed? What would you say? What would you say are some of the the things that you see as growth areas for young writers? Yeah, that's a good question and something we've been exploring because we have a good amount of grad students and faculty and and sharing our troubles when we were grad students, how we've grown and and what grad students are experiencing now. Time management and actually just writing. So finding the time to write is probably the biggest challenge and knowing when you write best. So most of us write better in the morning. Um, But if you write at midnight and that's your time, then that's what works for you. Definitely not me. I'm I'm in bed by then. <laughs> um, so getting started is, is the biggest challenge. And we've talked a lot in terms of scientific writing, so writing manuscripts, what sections are easier to start with and which sections have different challenges from, so starting with the method section. Usually that's the easiest for people because they've already done something and they can write it down. But some of the challenges with the intro and the discussion, I think, are some of the bigger struggles uh, for students as, as well as faculty. And how do you bring everything together? And it takes time and you have to mull it over and it's a process. Um, so just getting something on paper to start with. That's probably the bulk of, of what we talk about and how we overcome those problems for individuals. So um, uh, talking about the process, um, how, how does it work? I mean, how did your, uh, how, have, how has it translated from that first meeting where everybody came together and then now those subsequent meetings that you have, what, is that, what does that look like? Yeah, and we really came in with, I, I've never been part of a writing group before. I've heard of them uh, in academia and just in general. Actually, we stole the name Shut Up and Write from Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a real thing okay. that writers across the world get together and just set aside a time to write. But our, from our first meeting, we saw who decided to show up and who was interested and what they really needed to get out of it. So it's kind of morphed into two different parts. So we meet every week for an hour um, on Fridays when we know we're not going to be that productive doing anything else. And we go around and it's really just to be accountable. So we share our accomplishments from the last week. So what did you achieve in terms of writing? Did you finish that intro section? Did you submit a paper, miraculously? Uh, But then we also talk about our goals for the next week. And we try and get everyone to be really specific. So not just, I'm going to work on this paper or I'm going to work on this grant. I'm actually going to make the figures. I'm going to write my results section by next Friday. And so that when we come back the next week around, we can report on those goals and talk about, yay, we met them. Or sometimes we didn't meet them. And and why didn't we meet them? So how can we make it better next week? So that's kind of our accountability bit. And then we've also been meeting, because an hour is not very long, right? Mm -hmm. You can't get that much writing done in an hour. So we meet on Friday mornings uh, at a coffee shop. Mm 
very casual, relaxed atmosphere. Whoever shows up, shows up. And we just sit for two hours, put your headphones in, don't talk other than some pleasantries in the beginning and at the end, uh, and just sit and write. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really productive for the people who have shown up. Uh, again, accountability, but there's not that much else you can do and get distracted when you know your professor, or your grad student is watching over your shoulder what sure. you're doing. <laughs> so you got to keep off of Facebook and, and not check your email. So it's really dedicated time just to writing every week. Yeah. And so the, you, you bring up something is our, are the, the distractions in our life really sort of uh, happen. I know when I was working on my uh, dissertation, I had two young children, young meaning, you know, a baby and then one not you know, not far from that. And um, you really have to find that, that, that space that allows you to just be focused on the writing. Um, and um, I, I, I think when I, uh, the, the distractions have grown. So beyond kids, now you do, you have uh, all the other things that happen on your computer while you're writing. And so do you, do you have advice sort of how to, how to take that noise and push it out and, and then and be able to focus solely on the writing? Well, good for you for finishing your dissertation with <laughs> hey, your kids. I feel great. <laughs> uh, it's something we talk about because everyone has different distractions. For me, particularly this past few months, I sign out of Outlook on my computer because that's my biggest distraction. Even if I'm not checking email, it pops up that I have a new one. And just that, you know, split second of taking my attention away uh, really distracts and and gets me out of the the writing loop, I guess. Of course, you know, not checking Facebook and just putting your phone away are, are the biggest and most common distractions for everyone. But even noise. So a lot of our grad students are in shared office spaces. Some of them can't write in that space. They need quiet. Uh, So they need to find somewhere else, whether it's at home uh, or in a quiet cubicle office uh, somewhere in the building. Um, But other students, they really thrive with that, that noise and that kind of background noise and distraction. It helps them to keep focused. So I think knowing how you work and how you write best. So music is another thing, right? Some people love to put on their headphones and listen to background music, all different types, classical. Mm. Some can't listen to music with lyrics. Some only can listen to show tunes because they know the songs. They're so familiar with them. Right. Uh, So just figuring out what works for you. Yeah, I I would agree. I was a morning writer um, and um, that I would get up really early, you know, about five o'clock in the morning and I could, in two hours, I could really you know, um, uh, write some uh, uh, some good things and be effective at it. I would say that that the the one thing that I I, I uh, that I see graduate students struggle with, or stu- any student for that matter, is the the idea that my first draft is always going to be the best. Um, how how do you how do you sort of help them understand that uh, they may be twelve drafts from the final product? Yeah, we talk a lot about, A, it's kind of that starting, just getting something down on paper, starting with an outline is is helpful for a lot of folks. Um, But we also talk about feedback and getting comments, whether they're from yourself or from your advisor or from peers, uh, and how to use that to make your draft better, because you can't write by yourself. It's never going to be the best that it can be. So we show a lot of examples of some of our work. So even recent papers I've worked on that have been in 
the works for three years and I'm still getting some not so nice or uh, <laughs> friendly worded comments from some of my co-authors, but that's just part of the writing process. So right. I think being able to take that feedback and make your work better uh, is something that we talk about as well. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the collaborative process, uh, which the collaborative process I, th- I see as, 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 a, as a, um, um, a learning in itself, right? Um, that we we believe that what what we do is 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 uh, um, is effective. It's great, and that to have somebody else sort of chime in and provide feedback, or at least maybe move things in a different direction, can be uncomfortable. Do you address that at all, and and how to how to work in that that setting? Yeah, and that's one of our big challenges, especially for students, because most of their assignments and writing to this point have been solo papers mm-hmm. for a class, uh, or they've been in a group project, and we all know students hate group projects. Some one person ends up doing all the writing anyways. So we talk, uh, actually, most recent uh, Shut Up and Write group, we were talking about how you combine writing styles. Uh, So if you say, okay, this person's going to write the intro, this person's going to write this paragraph of the discussion, how do you make it all come together and sound like the same writer? Mm -hmm. Uh, And people have different strategies from knowing people's writing styles from the beginning. So if you have a very different writing style than me, I'm not going to have you write a paragraph of my discussion. I'll have you share some ideas with me and I'll write them. Uh, But to really have someone take the lead and have that final editing process, um, setting expectations for those who we're writing with, especially deadlines. Mm -hmm. Uh, So saying, okay, I need this in two weeks. And is that okay? If not, then maybe we should set a different goal and and have you be involved in a different way. Uh, So making sure that you're getting timely feedback from uh, people who are involved. Right. You know, I, I think back uh, 15 or 20 years ago, and, and writing uh, in an academic setting, or at least for scientists, has changed. Um, so what I mean by that is that um, in the past, maybe as a scientist, I wrote just solely for research purposes. And the only folks that were reading my product were researchers. So it was a fairly straightforward task. But in today's world, I think uh, uh, that a scientist has to write in uh, many different venues. One, not only being for their research colleagues in the field, but also for the public in general um, uh, because of, of grants that are awarded, uh, because of um, uh, the, the, educati- the education of people outside the field. Uh, to get buy-in for certain types of research. And so do you address this idea of being able to write in diff- for different venues and not just in a scientific sense? We do, and we don't. I've talked a lot about kind of manuscripts and grant writing, but we talk about other things, for example, cover letters. So our grad students who are applying to further their education or jobs, that's a different type of writing. Um, We haven't this semester yet, but I've been to lots of writing seminars in terms of social media. So how do you write for Twitter? Uh, I'm not a tweeter, but some people have been very, very successful with it. Uh, There was a pathologist from UAMS who's basically built his whole career uh, by tweeting. Uh, And that's kind of his main way of getting his information out there. 
Um, and you're right. There are lots of sources. They're always changing. I think granting bodies have gotten a lot better. If they're going to give you millions and millions of dollars, they want to be able to understand what you're doing. Right. I'm pretty lucky that what I do is is pretty translatable. Even my husband, I can tell him, you know, I make kids run around and exercise, and he, he gets the general right. idea. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but for some of our students and our faculty, it's a lot um, more difficult. So they're doing research with animal models. They're doing research with lots of words that are really big and complicated and nobody understands. And so... I think just being a diverse group to start with, they have to be able to explain it uh, to ourselves mm -hmm. before they try and explain it to somebody else. Yeah, I think uh, uh, for a long time, there was this disconnect between understanding that almost every product that we have probably came through some academic setting at some point. The iPhone is a great example, right? Uh, that that the the touchscreen was uh, there. There was some form of research that started that, and I think not understanding that connection um, can be uh, problematic in the sense that um, uh, it's a it's an issue of relevance, right? And so I think that by being able to communicate what you do as a researcher to anybody. Um, uh, adds a, uh, a sort of uh, positivity or strength to what we do. Um, it puts someone else in, in your corner and says, this research is, is, is something that is needed. And I think in the writing sense is that if you can uh, take a research article and write a magazine article that then explains what you do, it sort of changes the dynamic of it, right? It takes it in a different direction. Um, it helps people understand that there are many connective things that happen at the university level that also translate to everything outside of the university. What do you think? I completely agree. And, and writing is one way that we do that. And I think another great way that the department and, and you kind of aid in is verbally and presenting it. So with our weekly seminar, uh, getting students to who may be in public health or exercise science to explain to somebody in sport rec management, uh, what is it that we're doing? But more importantly, why does it matter? Because right. th that's the ultimate question that we need to answer and be able to convince people that what we're doing is important. Sure. I, um, I, I think my final uh, question would be, um, how does this process continue? You know, so for example, if I'm, I'm 20 years out of a, a, a dissertation, um, how do I continue this process of getting better as a writer? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. It does it does keep going forever and ever. Uh, and I was thinking about this uh, from my grad school. So I think a lot of it depends on the feedback that you get from others. So when I was working on my PhD, my advisor, the only comments he would ever write on my papers, hard copy in pen, let's discuss. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, he had a, a grant writer who helped me understand well, what are we discussing and why, and some of the nuances of writing and finding those mentors. Even today, I mean, I still, we had a, uh, a session in Shut Up and Write where we were talking about technical issues in writing. So one of the faculty members found this website 
that you could put in a sample of your writing and it would rate it based on passive and active voice and pronouns and, and all those English things that I've forgotten about when I got that B in, in English in junior uh, in high school. Um, and my writing was still flabby. Uh, was was the term that they used? Mm. So that's a, that was an actual term. Yes, oh. flabby. The diagnosis was flabby. Okay. Um, and so that's something now that I'm focusing more on is the actual technical aspect of writing. So what makes a sentence? What makes a clear, concise, scientific sentence? And I think we go through those phases about you know the technical side of writing, the content side of writing changing for audiences depending on what part of the scientific process you're in uh, and the field changes as well. So you mentioned how technology changes and the outlets change, but writing itself does too. So with open access journals, length of articles is getting longer. So they want you to write more, Mm -hmm. um, but they also want you to be more transparent in what you did. So what details do you need to include not include. Uh, so kind of what's the expectations are always moving and always changing. So keeping up with that, your own personal challenges, uh, it is a never-ending process. I would say that's pretty exciting to know that um, the art of writing itself has evolved over time. You know, that, you know, when you say things like keeping up with the current, you know, sort of writing styles and the things that are going on, that's exciting because I think the the assumption would be that writing is writing. Um, I would say for me, the evolution in writing has was always um, using more periods, and so that's 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 probably the 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 one thing that has has been uh, a change in my writing over time, and and becoming and and writing very succinct, um, sort of getting to the point. So, uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being here with me today, and uh, I look forward to seeing how the the project of uh, Shut Up and Write uh, continues, and um, thank you. Thanks, Paul, and we're happy to have you join us anytime. Thanks. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Joe Hamilton of The Boss Tweeds for providing the music for this podcast. This is She Creature from the album Hot Rods to Hell. (laughs) 